Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 292. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hello, Perry. Hello, Valerie. Always great to see you. Or should I have should I have said hola, Perry, because you're on vacation in Mexico. See, si, that would that would have worked better, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, the extent of my Spanish knowledge. <laughs> Although I well, know uh, I know ba- banos, right? <laughs> Bathroom, so, yeah. And oh, and, and cerveza too. So. Well, I appreciate you making today's show all the way from Mexico. We're going to answer questions about, are glycols a problem in skincare? What is hypochlorous acid doing in your products? Is argireline Botox in a bottle? And do we have thoughts on the brand Keep Me Anchored? Uh, But first, is vacation going good? You having fun? I am having fun. Nice and sunny. Uh, The weather's been great. But here is what I got to tell you. Okay, so we rented this house in a place called Isla Mujeres, which is right off of the coast of Cancun, right? Mm-hmm. And guess what the house came with? Hmm. Its own cat. No. There's this... An island there's a, kitty. There's island kitty. <laughs> we, we got... I walked into this house, and there's this stray cat. It just walks up and then walks into the house looking for food. It's done that before. That's not its first time. It's, it cannot be its first time. Of course, then we had to go to the grocery store. We got some groceries. <laughs> you did and not I get bought, cat food. I bought a week's worth of cat food for this cat. It's been coming over. It wakes me up in the morning. <laughs> you think, meow, get your butt and up. Then and it, then he goes to sleep on the couch like for hours. It's just hey, This cat must have been in this house before. but uh, yeah. He's so adorable. And there's a stray dog that I call Puppers, and he comes by in the morning, and, and I give him some milk bones, and, but he doesn't Aww. get to come in the house. So yeah. you guys are the best guests. <laughs> that, that's, so that is my vacation. Just I found I found my own island version of Porch Kitty. It was meant to be. It's serendipity. And you're feeling good. I know you got some work done, but you're you're doing good, huh? Well, work done makes it sound like I had plastic surgery. <laughs> that's right it's not yeah. that kind of work i guess yeah no i'm feeling good you know uh some of you guys might not know i've had some some problems with my my ticker and uh you know they did some work on it and uh, i'm feeling really really good everything's fixed i'm in good health good spirits and um i'm feeling like a new person again excellent and feeling like talking about some beauty science news huh yeah let's do it <laughs> So Perry, I saw this article and I instantly knew I didn't even have to bother telling you about it because you were all over it. The Daily Mail put out an article pondering, are shampoo bottles making you fat? Talk about junk mail. That's what it should be called, not the Daily Mail junk mail. Although right. coincidentally, it's where I go to get all my celebrity gossip in the UK. Oh, really? Well, I, I don't. I do wonder, is the Daily Mail, do people take that seriously or is that like the National Enquirer here? I think sometimes it is serious, sometimes it's not. And that's what's so difficult about reading that publication. Yeah, well, I have to say the article that they had makes me wonder. And I, I also have to add that this this article spoke to me from vacation. So I'm on vacation and I see this headline. I'm like, oh, they wrote me right in because <laughs> I couldn't believe it. But according to this article, they asked the question, 
are shampoo bottles making you fat? And they said, according to the article, that researchers have found certain chemicals in plastic bottles, and specifically bottles used for making shampoos and conditioners. And probably millions of other plastic bottles for different product types, but continue. Yeah, no, yogurt container, food containers. Yeah, they don't even mention that in the headline. They, do, they go with the shampoo, which I don't get at all. But uh, these researchers from the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, they looked at 34 different plastic products to see the kind of chemicals can, they contain. And they screened it for like 55,000 chemicals. And they found 11, which are thought to be metabolism-disrupting chemicals. And specifically, one of the researchers says... Our experiments show that ordinary plastic products contain a mix of substances that can be relevant and underestimated factors behind overweight and obesity. So <laughs> I'm just well, trying to get this I mean, straight. I mean, I, I don't want to. Okay, okay. Get no, no. set us straight. All right. What All are right, you no, saying? No, I'm just trying to figure. So they're saying that there are chemicals found, the tiny amounts of chemicals found in a shampoo bottle is somehow going to get into the shampoo and then it's going to go from the shampoo and when you put it on your head and then that's somehow going to go transfer through your skull and then get in your body which is subsequently going to turn you obese is, is this what they're claiming well i'd like to blame the shampoo versus my my pie hole so that's good uh, it's just that's so ridiculous i mean yes plastics are composed of different polymers and components and when you are a brand, um, you're supposed to get information from your packaging suppliers and get the pertinent composition information or anything you need to be aware of. And then typically a larger brand would test to see if those components are getting into their products. But guess what? I can tell you, I've never found any of the components that you typically screen for in a product. I've never seen it. Not even in something crazy like hair color. Right. They just don't, don't get in there. And it's, yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. Uh, it's it's a ridiculous concern, and maybe theoretically, there you might get a, a couple of molecules of it on the surface of you. But uh, this is going to be a much if it's a problem at all, which I don't think it is. But if it's any problem, it's going to be from food containers, which would be more trouble from a shampoo or a conditioner or stuff you're using outside your body. This is not even you should not give this a second thought. So no the shampoo and conditioner you're using is not going to make you fatter. Well, I'll call that good old piece of clickbait, that's for sure. But I have to say, this this beer that I'm drinking might have some effect on that. <laughs> it might. It's probably the alcohol, gonna, though. I am totally going to need to go on a diet after this vacation. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I feel that. Well, let's answer some beauty questions. Amanda says, hello, thank you for making the podcast. I love it. I'm writing because I have a sensitivity to all glycols and diols that cause contact dermatitis. I'm also Uh starting to notice that both glycerin and hyaluronic acid are causing irritation, and I know they're chemically similar. Outside of ceasing to exist on this earth, what should I do? (laughs) Are you aware of any skincare, hair care, makeup makers that don't use these ingredients or of any products that are free of all three? Quite the conundrum for a skincare lover and a type 1 diabetic who has to use insulin with glycerin as an ingredient. I'm secretly hoping that someone with the ability to make a usable product is listening. I know I'm not the only one with this sensitivity. There are dozens of us, dozens. Thank you, Amanda. You know, uh, she said three ingredients. So she's saying 
she writes products without glycerin, without hyaluronic acid, and what was the third one? Uh, I think just glycols and diols in general, uh. which we know propylene glycol can be an issue because it was named allergen of the year in 2018 by the American Contact Dermatitis Society. So clearly there has to be some sensitivity there, but I, I'm not aware that diols would cause the same issue, uh, but you right. know, maybe they can. And I know that some people can be allergic to glycerin. It's a bit rare, uh, but let's start to unpack some of her questions here. So first, I think uh, let's address one of the comments that was made that uh, glycerin and hyaluronic acid being chemically similar. Uh, they're actually not, although they have a similar function. They're both humectants. Um, hyaluronic acid can cause some sensitivity because at the, the end of the day, it's a polymer and right. it is made of varying molecular weights and based on the the penetration ability or where it sits on top of the skin, some people can be sensitive to it, especially if they're overusing it. I think the similarity of the molecules is the function, as you're saying. They're both humectants, right? Yeah. Um, Now, but that just, essentially that means that they have a a straight OH group on a hydrocarbon chain. So uh, glycerin has three different OH groups. Hyaluronic acid has a lot of OH groups because it's part of the, the polymer. But those OH groups will help to attract water and hold that, and that's the the, the cause of the humectancy. But other than that, chemically, they're not the same, you know? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the challenge is once you already have a skin barrier compromise uh, and contact dermatitis, a lot of things can start to cause irritation. So if you have a, a very compromised barrier and increased sensitivity to these things, Uh, it's definitely going to be an issue, whereas most people probably don't have an issue. Unfortunately, these are so ubiquitous amongst cosmetic products that it's very difficult to find a product without a glycol, like propylene or butylene glycol, without a diol, without glycerin, and hyaluronic acid is easy. There's so many products without that. But the reason why a formulator would use glycerin or a glycol or a diol first is is its ability to humectify or hydrate the skin. Uh, they're yeah. very effective with that. And inexpensive. Another reason may be product stability. These help products as they get cold recover from freezing and maintain their stability properties. So it's used as a cosmetic chemist for, for stability. Uh, the other thing about glycols and diols is that they're penetration enhancers. They're really good solvents. So they're often used as solvents in extracts. And so if you have a botanical extract, it's typically in glycerin, a glycol, or a diol. That's just how it's done. So Another thing you would add glycerin to a formula for, especially if you have a pump product, Mm -hmm. um, to prevent it from crusting up and getting hard in the pump, you put a little glycerin there, and it'll keep that smooth so that it comes out. So there are some formulation reasons, and that's why you find glycerin in a lot of products uh, for for all those reasons, and being allergic to a uh, glycerin, uh, that that's hard. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but I looked at the the different types of products she was asking about: skincare, hair care, makeup. I, in makeup, uh, like powdered makeup, you're not going to find a lot of glycerin or hyaluronic acid, so that no. shouldn't be a problem. And even in you know, maybe in some of the, the liquid products you would find it, but I don't think you would find a whole lot. So I think that would be easy. Uh, but as far as skincare or hair care go, it's, it's going to be very difficult just because of all the reasons we listed from a consumer perspective and a formulator perspective. 
that they're used. Um, and I'm not aware of any site where you can type in an ingredient and find products that don't have it. Usually you can type an ingredient and pull up products that do, and then you kind of have to use some deductive reasoning. But are you aware of anything, Perry? Well, Valerie, I was just looking. Um, there is a site called Inky Decoder, I-N-C-I Decoder.com. Yep, we've looked at that one before. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes they lean a little heavy into the marketing of ingredients, so you can't always rely on what they say about ingredients. But what they do have is a nice database, and they give you the ability to search for products that do not contain an ingredient. So you can search for products that have an ingredient, but you can also do the opposite of search for ones that don't. And so uh, I went to that site, and I, I chose products that don't have glycerin, and uh, there's a whole bunch of them. So oh, very uh, I cool. would suggest you go there. Yeah, I'd suggest you go to inkydecoder.com to check that out. Uh, now, another, another thing you might look for is uh, instead of glycerin, something maybe, maybe companies are going to use propane diol. Um, so I think some, some natural brands might use that because that's a typical natural replacement for something like propylene glycol or something like that. So. You know, uh, I read an article and a cosmetic chemist postulated that maybe propylene glycol causes irritation over propane diol because propylene glycol tends to be petroleum-based, whereas propane diol comes from corn. And I would just like to dispel what, what that person said because that's not true. Um, you <laughs> right. know, they're chemically very different, very different compounds. Uh, they have similar properties but very different uh, chemically, so that, that wouldn't be the case. But... Um, you know, my tip, aside from using inky decoders, I also would generally avoid botanical extracts because those, yeah. again, will always be in glycerin, propylene glycol, butylene glycol, or propane diol. So that would be another tip. It's like a botanical extract-free brand. Try that. One other yeah, thing I'd like point. to recommend, Amanda, is maybe try making your own products. I know a lot of people have this negative connotation of DIY, but if you're such a skincare lover, there are a lot of great online resources. Uh, and I'm not just plugging myself at Simply Ingredients, but uh, there's a lot of great resources. Simply-ingredients.com. If you, dot com. If you, sure. uh, no, but I mean, try making your own things and that way you're in control of your own destiny of what's in the products. Yeah. And you can uh, make some really elegant recipes with the skincare goodies that you're looking for. And, you know, modify and tinker what's already out there and and try that. I think you'll have a lot of fun doing it. And if you have any questions, you can always shoot me a message on yeah. Instagram and I'll help you out. But try that. And that could be really fun as well. And that's a especially good advice for, for someone who's uh, sensitive to an ingredient as ubiquitous as glycerin um, or other humectants, because uh, that's going to be a challenge to find products that don't have that. Yeah, exactly. Well, Amanda, we wish you luck and we hope this helps and sorry that you have the skin affliction. Valerie, our next question comes to us from someone on Patreon or a patron. Uh, incidentally, the beauty brains are supported by uh, Patreon. Uh, we don't take advertising, but we do take your donations. So go to <laughs> patreon.com slash the beauty brains and subscribe because then we prioritize your question like this one from Michelle. Michelle says, my name is Michelle, and I just became a Patreon. Yay. Yay. Thanks, Michelle. I discovered you guys while Googling. I found Valerie from her recent talk about hair color. What? That was uh, what you did that in California or something, right? Yep, and I'll be doing one online February 23rd. Check out my Instagram at cosmetic underscore chemist to register for the online version, which I'm doing with Perry. That's right, and I will put a link in the show notes, so just click on that and, and subscribe and 
join. It's it's free to join for anybody. Back to her question. And she found Perry through the Cosmetic Chemist Corner website. Yay. Boy, am I glad I found your podcast. Uh, I have been a professional union makeup artist for over 11 years in L.A., Thank you for your expertise. I'm learning so much and trying to pull myself out of the clean beauty hole that I've dug myself in in the past years. Well, hopefully we can give Michelle a shovel here. (laughs) Indeed. So my question is, hypochlorous acid as a facial spray, is it any good? When COVID... (laughs) Hold your answer, Valerie. (laughs) When COVID first hit, there was big talk among us professional makeup artists about hypochlorous acid and or electrolyzed water. My understanding is that it's water and vinegar, okay, and then salt, and that it gets electrolyzed and becomes a solution that is a disinfectant. I even bought my own machine at home where I can make it, and that was from Force of Nature. You put it in a bottle and then you spray this disinfection uh, uh, instead of using harsh chemicals. I was told by Force by Nature that the company that hypochlorous acid is only good for 14 days before it turns back into plain old water and has no disinfecting properties. So uh, she asked about this facial spray by Tower 28. It lists the ingredients electrolyzed water, sodium chloride, and hypochlorous acid. Am I spraying salt and vinegar on my face? Is that safe? And is it turning to plain water in 14 days? I'm just very confused. Thank you, Michelle. Wow, there's a lot. There's a lot. Lot going wow. on here. Huh? Wow was my uh, first reaction as well. <laughs> well, I looked at this Force of Nature site. <laughs> well, and, oh my very, God. first of all, anything called Force of Nature, it sounds like a scam. I, I, I just, I don't want to say they're scamming people, but. It, you know, force is a little, it just doesn't feel right, you know? I didn't have as big a problem with that. It's just the claims, however. First of all, electrolyzed water. When did electrolyte <laughs> get turned into a verb? Electrolyte Marketing. Okay. I know. <laughs> Marketing. But I've electrolyzed this water. You can't electrolyze water. <laughs> I mean, you can put, an, you know, you put salt in water and it uh, dis- dissociates into electrolytes. Okay, I guess there's electrolytes in that water, but the water hasn't been electrolyzed. <laughs> that is just so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Uh, and th- the other thing I want to point out here, in their website, the Force of Nature website, they say that uh, the way that they make their electrolyzed water is the technology uses an electric current to charge the molecular structure of salt, water, and vinegar. Okay. What, what does vinegar have to do with this? There's no vinegar in this, right? I mean, where no. did they get vinegar from? Does vinegar make hypochlorous acid? No, there's no. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah I didn't think so. I vinegar mean, is a, vinegar is a acetic acid. We're <laughs> kind of missing a chlor- chlorine molecule, right? The yeah. chlorus means chlorine. You got to right. kind of have a chlorine you, somewhere. You need the chlorine. So that so they're wrong. And then, and this is the kicker too. Is this a kicker? The last one's a kicker. Something's a kicker. <laughs> so no, they say they say the ingredient sodium hydroxide is a detergent used in everything from skincare to toothpaste. Sodium hydroxide is not a detergent. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, know, so. they don't know what they're talking about. So I will say that hypochlorous acid actually is approved by the EPA as a disinfectant for surfaces. Yeah. 
And hypochlorous acid is used in optical rinsing solutions and other, uh, we'll call it skin conditions. I have seen sure. where people are using hypochlorous acid overseas for treatment of skin wounds or other inflammatory skin disorders or acne, yeah. uh, but, but it's not really highly used. And I'm not sure I personally would be uh, putting this on skin. Uh, there was a study published in um, 2017 uh, in ocular skin where it reduces the bacterial load. So what hypochlorous acid is doing as a disinfectant and in these ocular, um, you know, uh, serums is it's sure, killing sure. bacteria and right. it definitely is a skin antiseptic. Um, but when you're having such a strong kill, um, even at a 0.01% solution of hypochlorous acid, having a total elimination of all bacterial colonies on skin that's some really strong stuff. And not only are you killing bad bacteria, you're killing good bacteria. And it's one thing as a disinfectant spray for surfaces or maybe your makeup brushes or whatever, uh, but to use it on skin, like I just probably wouldn't do it. I just want to point something out here. Okay, no problem. So hypochlorous acid right? It's H-O-C-L, right? yeah. you know, a hydrogen, an oxygen, and a chlorine molecule. What happens when you put that into uh, water? It dissociates, yeah. Right, into an H plus ion and an O-C-L minus ion, right? Yeah. Which, if you have sodium ions in there, which this has, it says water, sodium chloride, and hypochlorous acid, that's exactly the same composition that you would have if you were using sodium hypochloride, which is bleach. <laughs> yeah. So well, it explains the mechanism of action. Right. So essentially you've just created bleach <laughs> with the same with this whole, with these three ingredients you're making the same thing that is bleach. So maybe it's a lower level, but this hypochlorous acid does not stick around as hypochlorous acid very long because you have sodium in there. So it's going to more associate yeah. with the sodium ion. So basically what you're spraying on your face is bleach. Now, it's yeah. probably a low level of bleach, you know, very tiny level, so maybe it's not harmful, but, you know, that's what you're putting on your face, and that's why it's a disinfectant. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, you're going to end up with definitely some throwing your skin microbiome out of balance, and I don't think there's enough information on it available yet. It was very difficult. There's a lot of studies about the eye and wound healing and uh, diabetic ulcer healing, but not enough for... Uh, use as a skincare active. So definitely recommend to skip it. Yeah. And uh, it, it is not water and vinegar. I don't know where they got vinegar, but uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I, I very, be very skeptical of uh, yeah. the, uh, the info you're getting from Force of Nature. Oh my God. Well, our next question comes to us from Hannah. Hannah says, hi, Valerie and Perry. Thank you for keeping us informed on all things cosmetic formulas on the Beauty Brains podcast. Since discovering the podcast earlier this year, I've become hooked, have recommended your content to my hairdresser and skincare enthusiastic pals, and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. I would like to hear your reactions to Argireline and the hype around it. Argireline has become known as Botox in a bottle. One study that has been cited in a couple of blogs and YouTube videos stated, skin topography analysis of oil and water emulsion containing 10% of the hexapeptide on healthy women volunteers reduced wrinkle depth up to 30% upon 30 days treatment. Were the anti-aging effects truly attributed to this magical compound or merely a consequence of moisturizing? Thank you, Hannah. 
Well, ha- wow. sounds like Hannah's really, really learning some stuff from us. That's great. Uh, f- for sure. Yeah. yeah. Are Arch- you familiar? Argeline, Argeline, that sounds like, it sounds like an amino acid, but I, I suspect well, it's more than that, right? Yeah. Argeline is a peptide and ah, the peptide, information yeah. that uh, Hannah recited from one of the videos or these websites uh, comes from the supplier who's conducted these studies. So it is a, uh, a hexapeptide. And what it does... Hexapeptide 3? Yeah, that's right. Acetylhexapeptide 8. Oh, right, right, right. Is this one, yeah. And so the way in which argyrolene is postulated to work is that when you have muscle contraction, there's an assembly of something called a snare complex in the muscle. And the uh, neurotransmitter acetylcholine is released and it triggers this muscle contraction. Yeah, I remember that acetylcholine from biochemistry course. Yeah, right. yeah, it's it's a very important neurotransmitter in our body. The way Botox works is it actually cleaves a protein called SNAP25, which prevents the assembly of this snare complex, and then acetylcholine cannot be released. And then when that happens and no acetylcholine is being released, uh, the muscle contraction doesn't happen, which is why when you get Botox put into your face, your muscles cannot contract to move. Argyrolene ah. d- does not actually cleave the protein SNAP25, but they say it competes with SNAP25. So it huh. slightly destabilizes this whole snare complex, which reduces the neurotransmitter release, which is not necessarily the same as preventing it, but it just reduces its ability to release. And so you get um, some reduction in, in wrinkle, uh, you know, wrinkle formation because your muscles aren't contracting together. So and the idea that it's Botox in a bottle comes essentially because this peptide theoretically and Botox kind of act on the same biochemical pathways, uh, interrupting this acetylcholine in some way. Exactly. They're making this statement that says, yeah, they're similar because they have a similar mechanism, right. whereas yeah. uh, I don't think they're truly doing the same thing. Although, again, we have to keep in mind this is information from the vendor sure, and sure. they have you know, a, some studies associated with it that have some pretty good data. But again, uh, they're not going to publish bad data, right? right. So, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they, so it, you, don't see the, you don't see the 100 studies where they got nothing. You see the one where they got something. Let's publish that. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see the study uh, with one side using the hexapeptide and one not in the same cream. Um, But that's not the study that was mentioned here by Hannah. Uh, So it's Mm -hmm. difficult to say whether or not uh, anti-aging effects are attributed to that peptide or just the consequence of, of moisturizing. I will say... You know, peptides do have biological activity uh, within the cells, you know, which one can say arguably makes them drugs. But um, peptides well, uh, are very, very active because our cells recognize them and, and let them in and let right. them interfere with metabolic processes. Well, the hard part is that they got to get through your skin and it, down to the dermis where anything would happen. Uh, putting a, putting a, a, a peptide on the surface of your skin and it just stays in the epidermis, you know, you might as well just put an emollient on. That's not going to do anything different. So for these things to actually work, they have to sort of migrate all the way down to the lower layers of your epidermis to the to the dermis where the skin cells are actually growing. And if it does that, perhaps there's some effect. I'm skeptical that these things do that. Um, and really, if they uh, they 
did that as claimed, uh, they would be drugs, at least in the United States. Um, so companies companies want you to think that they're doing what they say they're doing or what they're implying they're doing. They just don't want to tell you that that's actually happening. Whether it is or not, I, I remain skeptical. I look at this data, the wrinkle depth was uh, up to 30% reduced with a 30-day treatment. Anytime somebody makes the claim up to, I mean, that's anywhere from zero to 30. So, so it could have been 1%. <laughs> 30 right? was their best number, but many <laughs> right. of them could have been at two. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's funny. And also, I would say, if you had wrinkles and you improved the wrinkle depth by 30%, you're still going to see the wrinkles. When people get Botox, you don't see wrinkles anymore. It's not 30%. It's like they're gone. <laughs> Yeah, at least for a little while. So yeah, this is not Botox in a bottle if it's only giving you a thirty percent improvement. Yeah, well, to be fair, we already credited the manufacturer of this material by saying it's Botox in a bottle because it's Botox in mechanism, not necessarily function. But anyway, to quote the great philosopher, cosmetic chemist Perry Romanowski, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yes, try it if you like it. <laughs> yeah. Keep your expectations low. (laughs) Well, we have time for one more question, Perry, on this Perry Vacation episode. Another one from Patreon, and this one is a quick, simple one from Helene. She says, hey, and I hope hope she doesn't work for the brand, but (laughs) maybe she does, but (laughs) Helene says... She's like, I'll show you. You guys won't take advertisements, but I'll put 10 bucks on Patreon. I don't know if that's what she donated, and (laughs) freaking get them to answer this question. No, she says... What do you think about Keep It Anchored? Thank you. So Keep It Anchored is a hair care brand. You can go to keepitanchored.com if you want to. Uh, But essentially, they make products that are supposed to uh, keep your hair in your head. And that's the anchored part. Keep the hair anchored onto your head, I guess, right? I think that's an incredibly cute name, first of all, Um, you know, and that the branding is cute. You know, it could be something I would try. I'm not saying I would, but I'm saying it it could be. You know, it's cute. If I were worried about thinning, I you know probably like I, I. Valerie, I'm, I'm looking at your hair. You're not worried about thinning, are you? You have a lot of hair. I have a lot of hair. Right? Uh, you know, but it's... This is not a brand that speaks to you, right? No, but I'm saying I'm not, like, thrown off by it. I mean, they do sure, say sure. that they have uh, 0% parabens, paraben-free, cruelty-free, okay. and the other claim is root anchoring, which... You know, I don't, I don't really know what that means, but uh, it comes with. That means it comes with the free stapler, so you can just staple, <laughs> just staple your stuff in. And they're uh, they're very kit centric, you know, which I'm always like, I don't like kits because to me that seems a little like cheesy. You know, I would rather see like a bundle or something like that. But uh, wait, kits, wait, 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 a kit and a bundle are, that's the same thing. <laughs> Well, when bundle. it's like when it says kit, it's like, and then I'm staring at seven products or six <laughs> okay. products. It's like, wow, I got to use all these things. Whereas it just but seems I'm, like a lot, you know. Um, but sure, sure. Very common amongst um, hair thinning brands is to sell uh, complete systems that start with a shampoo and a conditioner 
And then serums uh, are very big in this world. Uh, and they even have one kit that's a pre-cleanser, uh, which, you know, if you have thinning hair, I don't know if you really want to do that a whole lot. But it's very typical of these hair. hair. It sounds like a lot of work with all, with all the different products they have. you got to be dedicated. So, but if it's a bundle, we're good we're good at bundles, but if it's a kit, I, I don't. You know, what I I did. I also appreciated that they like they sell the shampoo for you know twenty three dollars, which you know for a small brand twenty three dollars is is not really unexpected. You know, it's hard it's hard to make a profit uh, selling anything less for a small brand. But uh, what I did appreciate is that um, you can. You can break that $23 up into four different payments of $5 each. So, Yeah, that's a, a really popular uh, method, these payments. Uh, it's really popular to even do that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Four payments of $5.75. I mean, you're going to be done with the shampoo in a month, right? <laughs> you're still going to be paying for it? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting that they have shampoos. You know, I could see hair regrowth products tailored for men or women because the mechanism of hair thinning is very different between men or women or can't. Yeah. Additionally, uh, there's different dosages that men or women respond to based on uh, body hormones. But what do you think of the shampoo ingredients that they have between the men and the women? Do you think it's any, do you think there's any need for that? Well, I, I looked at the two shampoos. Uh, you're just looking at the uh, ingredients and they're both, uh, they're basically sodium lauryl sulfate based uh, shampoos. They have sodium lauryl sulfate and cocomidal propyl betaine. They also have uh, cocomide MEA, so it's going to be a an opaque system. Uh, but those are pretty standard ingredients, and actually, they also contain some zinc compounds, zinc pyrithione. They contain zinc carbonate, and so they're going to have an anti dandruff effect. Um, you know, those are antifungals, so the sure, is, sure, you know, have some scalp benefit while while you're shampooing. Can't hurt. So the. The main chassis of the formula, as we look at it, uh, are the same for the men and the women. The differences start to come in uh, the extra stuff they add. So the men have the peppermint oil, and they have the menthol, um, and they have a, a ginger root extract thing. Whereas for women, they have... Uh, Fragrance. Niacinamide, panthenol, hydrolyzed silks. <laughs> I don't know. It's like so... Uh, and and those are just the claims ingredients. Basically, to me, I look at these formulas. There's not really a big difference between the men and the women, uh, as far as I can tell, except for those claims ingredients. Yeah, I bet you. Uh, you know, there's some different orders um, on some of the ingredients, and I bet you the men's might either be a little more pearlized or a little more foaming. It could yeah. be hard to tell. But also, you know, the peppermint and the menthol go a really long way with men because they like tingling, refreshing. They do. We are suckers for tingling, refreshing. <laughs> yeah, so I see that they tailored it a little bit for men with that, and then they tailored it for women with those skincare goodies that they put in there. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> and but as far as the products go, they look fine enough. I don't think uh, they're going to work any better than uh, something else you could buy to hold your hair in. Um, they don't have minoxidil in them, so as far as uh, like being a drug that'll keep your hair in, there's there's nothing in it uh, that does that. I, at least I didn't see a minoxidil containing one. That's the only approved topical uh, pro ingredient that could have an effect. So I know that peppermint, is, you know, 
it's one of the folk tale sort of ingredients that can help with hair growth, but you can't expect that that's going to do anything. So, you know, the products are nice enough, um, but they're probably promising more, uh, or they're implying promises for hair, preventing hair loss more than they can actually deliver. Most likely. Uh, Well, Perry, I hear the music. Oh, you do? Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, the Beauty Brains are on Patreon. If you want to help support the show, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. If you get a chance, also head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show and leave us a review. That's going to help other people find our podcast series and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. Are we still on Spotify? You know, Spotify is like, is sort of bad now or something? I don't, I don't know. Is, is it still uh, the, like... Uh... The cool thing to do to boycott it? That is kind of the... Right, right. But no, we're not boycotting. It's wherever you can find us, go ahead and Spotify. Cool. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at the Beauty Brains 2018. On Twitter, we're at the Beauty Brains. And we have a Facebook page. And if you have a question and you want to hear your voice on the show, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Or if you don't want to have your voice, just email to uh, thebeautybrains at gmail.com and we'll answer the text way. All right. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens. <laughs>